All right, gang, here's your pandemic comedy podcast icebreaker. You ready, Mike? I am. The CDC says it's not Omicron unless it comes from the Omicron region in France. Otherwise, it's just sparkling COVID. <laughs> hey, kids, it's another Podman Rush. Here we go. On this P-Rush this week, the pause man rush is what we'll call it, if we're going to go full dad jokes here. Uh, the intention will be to inject you all, or y'all, since it's uh, Texas, with an entire audio syringe of happiness chemicals. It's a new year, it's post-pause, and it's needed. So don't be a nattering nabob of negativity, Mike. Roll up your sleeve. All you out there, here comes a verbal cocktail of endorphin, dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin to kill pain, reward, stabilize the mood, and of course, spread love. Call it Razor Bowl. I'm marketing this, trademark. It'll give you wings just like a peacock or a penguin. So with that, who should get fired for this postponement debacle, Mike? Go ahead. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Our friend Tom Holy and I uh, just had a discussion yesterday about, isn't that our society now? Oh, absolutely. Somebody has to be blamed for everything. Yes. And so I think it's just God. Someone's at God fault. God telling us to reset. Because, you know, previous resets have wow. worked out pretty good for this team. Oh. <laughs> See, you want the positivity. Pastor Heike, continue on. <laughs> I want to hear this. Hey, let, let's do this. Let's look back at 2021. Okay. Right? Because we didn't really get an opportunity to do the, the uh, roundup and uh, ender because everything got shut down on the 20th. I think I'm yeah, right. Yeah, it was 20th. I think we've yeah, been, you're right, correct. I think we've been twiddling our thumbs for two weeks. Uh, so we saw... We saw two pauses in 2021. Isn't that crazy? It is. We saw two pauses. There was COVID Stars 1.0 and COVID Stars 2.0, uh, or delays, I guess, if you want to call it that. We saw two season openers in one calendar year. They won both, by the way. Uh, some absolutely surreal broadcasts. And uh, if you just digress with me for a moment, the, the big thing with... Uh, with, with broadcasting in, in the pandemic for us and for me. Uh, the, the one that, that stuck out the most was the final game of the first season of 2021 when we were at American Airlines Center doing a Stars game from the United Center in our booth where we normally call Stars home games at American Airlines Center, looking down at a completely decked out Dallas Mavericks home game setup, floor, chairs, shot clock, you name it, in front of us, at the same time that the Mavs broadcasters, Followell and them, and uh, they, were, they were in the nether reaches of American Airlines Center calling a Mavs game from somewhere, and there were maybe nine people in the building total. And we had just a great big television screen off to the side. And you would 
you would call the game. They piped in the noise like we were doing. So during the game, it felt sort of real. Game's going on. They're not going to go to the playoffs, unfortunately. So there's a bit of that uh, buzzkill. And then the minute that the action stopped, I would, I would sit back and I would take off my, my cans and my headset. And you could hear the buzzing of the lights in the building. It was so quiet in there. And then we'd put the cans back on, we'd come back from commercial, and we'd call the rest of the game. And of course, they go to overtime. We needed more of this yes, of course. to finish things off. And then, and then it, got, it got ended. Do you, um, the other two things that I'll mention are, are Joe Pavelski, and we'll get into that a little bit maybe, and some young stars with a lot of promise. And those yeah. were sort of my five big takeaways, stars worldwide, uh, in 2021. How about you? Uh, can I uh, just uh, take a sidebar on you for a second? I just digress, Mike, I so know. go ahead. Let's digress some more. How weird is this to change how people receive sporting events via the miracle of the internet or TV or like what you've gone through in the past year and then trying to bring that magic to my couch is amazing. And, and I don't know where it's going in the future, but it's just this last year has been, I mean, we, we even talk about this. Do you need a truck on the road anymore? Do you do it from Irving? Do you do it from wherever? It's just like everything is changing. Yeah. And uh, with that and with this, it, you adjust to whatever gets thrown at you, right? And the technological advances that have come along because of this, they were already starting right. before that, just on a cost level. And the pandemic just sent it into hyperspeed because it was like, look, you have to do games this way. Yeah. And, you know, a little bit of, of uh, learn as you go, and which is good. You look back. I look back in any sport, football games in Seattle in an absolutely empty, you know, like, and you're thinking how loud that place, the loudest yeah. place, that and probably Kansas City, the two loudest places in the NFL. And there's nobody there, just seats. And last night on the Manning cast, I'm watching, and, and they had Aaron Rodgers on. And he pointed out that for the first time in his career, I forget what happened. Um, I think they were on the road. And he could hear clapping after a play on the sideline. And he was like, what? It was the first time he, he could hear clapping. Yeah. So I, I, I've said it before. I applaud all the players and everybody for being able to, you know, the show must go on. And how hard, for the most part, they played in real weird, bizarre environments, right? Yeah. Like what we do, we do, and it, imperfect, uh, having to do it the way we did. But, man, 2021 was we, – we saw everything, right? Yeah. Like – in, in in that calendar year, we saw empty buildings, we saw stacked full buildings, we saw partially full buildings, we saw masked coaches, we saw unmasked coaches, we saw benches where they put netting in behind theirs for airflow. Remember all the oh, stuff yeah. they were, it was like every week it was a new thing. And we're still swirling in it, it feels yes. like right now as we start off 2022. Yeah. And, and that'll go to my next point of the, to me, it's just the ability of people to adapt. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, I'll look back and look forward at the same time uh, as we get another taxi squad. 
I mean, you look back at guys like Kiviranta or uh, Jason Robertson or, you know, even Hudobin in the playoffs there or now Jake Ottinger, you know, with this opportunity, opportunities out there. Mm -hmm. Like people have to adjust, people have to adapt. And so when we look at the kids and say, these people just grabbed an opportunity and some didn't. And, you know, and so now going forward, there could be three or four new guys who will come out of nowhere and say, all right, this is your turn. And it'll be very interesting to watch that because the stars, in my opinion, the stars need that if they want to make the playoffs. The guy who didn't come out of nowhere is Joe Pavelski. And really 2021 was the year of Joe for the stars. Uh, you know, what he did last year in the 56 games or it was 58. I don't even remember. 56. 56 games. And then what, after, you know, kind of a, for him, you know, coming off of that slowish start to the season this year, and then once he got his partners in crime back and, and what he's done, uh, at, at, and everyone always wants to mention the age, just because I think in past we've always seen guys who are in their late 30s, you know, starting to fade. If not fade, struggling to stay 100% healthy. Right. And he doesn't matter. Back-to-back -back games and, uh, you know, whatever you want to toss out there, he just produces. Yep. And it, it's – I've been just incredibly impressed. I remember when uh, we were celebrating, you know, 400 goals and all that stuff. Uh, I was like, look, I've always been impressed by Joe Pavelski. When he was with the Sharks, I was impressed yeah. by him. You know, I brought it up every time. Here, here's a guy, and I never understood why more – Players didn't do this. Here was a guy who looked at at scoring and didn't just think, well, you know, we'll go through the drills and that'll be it. He he went outside of that, and I think he he was one of the first guys that had either a skills coach or went outside for a different look at at uh, scoring and and how you can score and drills for that. And then you go and you'd watch the morning skate in San Jose, and he was out there you know, running a clinic yep. and guys started to notice and young guys began to, to join him in that. And he's a bit like a Pied Piper in that, in that regard. And the same thing's gone on here. Impressive. Yep. And a lot of the stuff he does off the ice is interesting as well. The restaurant, the media company, uh, he just thinks. He's always thinking. Cerebral, we he call that. He is very right? cerebral. Mm -hmm. Sagacious. Even. At times, yes. <laughs> but it's, when you watch him do things like that, like run the restaurant and then bring his family in and have his son work there, uh, he thinks about a lot of different things because it would be very easy to just float through life and say, hey, I'm making whatever, seven million and my life's good. And Mike Heike, yeah, for instance. I, I'm just like that. Uh, but uh, it, it's interesting that he really wants to make the most of every day. And I, I go back to that press conference. It just shocked me. Uh, when he started tearing up about the Tanner Kiro concussion and it went back to him and his concussion and just how important the game is, his teammates are, the environment, you know, uh, the, the, what, he, what he had in San Jose was really special. And now what he has here in Dallas to him is very special. And it's happened in a very short time in a very odd stretch of yeah, time. Yeah, and I, I have to think that the odd nature of it has contributed to yeah. all of that right like yeah. it's not like two 82 game schedules no. normal and some playoffs right. it's been yeah. 
a and, journey. And, and you also a go back journey. to the fact that at, at some point in time, the end is going to come. Yeah. And, and you can see the They end look at their it. mortality. Right. Sure. And so then I'm sure that makes it more emotional as well. But I, that to me with him is the emotion to me is really cool to watch. Here are the numbers uh, for the stars in 2021, which is, you know, it was a calendar year of a lot of, of hockey in two different seasons and a lot, a lot of stuff that you liked and a lot of stuff that obviously fans and us and probably management and coaches and everybody involved didn't like. So they go 38, 31, and 16. Uh, the win percentage was 447, ranked 18th. The points percentage was 541, ranked 18th. The goals per game uh, actually ranked higher than you would have thought uh, at basically 2.8 a game. And the goals against ranked just outside the top 10 at just over 2.7 a game. That's kind of where it was rocking along, yep. right? And that knife edge. Uh, the power play, which we'll get into a little bit uh, later in this year, uh, ranked fourth best in the NHL in 2021 at 25%. That's really the that and face-offs were their two best statistics. Yes, and still are. Yeah. Well, yeah, as we move into they haven't played in 2022 yet. No, I know, but I'm just saying. I'm covering 2021. Gotcha. Stay with this here. I did all this research along with Josh Clark. Uh, the penalty kill barely in the top uh, two-thirds of the league at just shy of 79%, and we all understand, and they know they, they need to be better with that. So uh, there's room to improve in, in 2022. Yes. No question about it. But 2021 is is done. It's over. And in some of the least shocking but very disappointing to one side, especially news, no NHL participation in 2022 at the Olympics in China. They haven't gone. They haven't gone in a while. Like like people forget, I think that it's been a while since the NHL actually participated in in the Olympics. So what should the participation be going forward? Are they going to go down this path again in the future where the players want to go and they need to go and ownership and the league says, well, we don't want to go and they got to hash that out? Or do they send, do they send the kids? I think this time they have to. In the future, they'll have to look at how did that impact the league at all or the sport and say, is this okay do we need to find a different path, whether that's World World Cup or whatever it is, or potentially moving them to the Summer Olympics, which I think is ridiculous. But it's same, not ridiculous. I don't. I agree with you. But hey, if you go back and read some of my great blogs from the early aughts, you are a great writer. Oh, yeah, very. The thing I brought up, and it was insane at the time, but I believe some of it. I needed to write an article. Yes. You've been there, haven't I've you? I've been there. Yeah. Uh, and I just thought if you married a, a violent sport or a physical sport with a more serene uh, finesse sport uh, on both sides in winter and in, in summer, it would be a good balance to that. Yes. And so you'd have, you'd have your, your football, physical and violent, on one side, and then you'd have hockey on the other. So you'd have hockey and baseball in the summer, football and basketball in the winter. Ta-da. Yeah. Done. Yeah. And – 
with the advances of all these arenas and new arenas and the ability to make ice, my God, they, they can make ice outside in Los Angeles now. Correct. You know, with the outdoor games and that. That summer would be perfect. You'd have people in hot climates that would be like, hey, let's go enjoy some air conditioning for three hours and we'll go to the game. You could have all this stuff going on outside um, on your plazas and that, your build-arounds or whatever they call that yep. in the marketing world. And uh, and there you go. Yeah, and with the arenas, especially basketball in the winter, hockey in the summer. You, don't you keep them all the, busy. You don't have the conflicts. Yep. You, it really does make a lot of yeah. sense. And for the Olympics, the idea, again, people, I think this has come up this year more than any of the previous ones. We're the only league that shuts down our league in order for the players to go and compete in the Olympics. Right. The other pro sports, it's all in the offseason for them. You know, the NBA isn't shutting down. And can you imagine if no, they wouldn't do it? No. So I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it makes some sense. I think it would depend on where the summer games are being held. Yeah. And And if if they they ever, if, if the IOC ever got to where, they decided we're going to stop moving this thing all over the globe. And they just went to select venues or, or countries to host. I think you, you'd have a much better shot of doing this. Yeah. Well, the other thing I think going forward is the players really want it. And, you know, they've made I, their concessions. Yeah, they do. But they've I, made their concessions. I and, laugh at that a little bit. I, you know, the. How many go? It's a good point. So they all really want to participate in the Olympics, but what is it? Fifteen percent of the yeah. players actually play in the Olympics. Yeah. So the other eighty-five percent really are, want to go to a beach. They're pretty powerful voices, the ones who do the, want the to lead go, guys. who want yeah. who want to be in yeah. that, and a lot of it comes from Sweden and Finland and Russia and being able to compete for your country. And when you grow up, you I don't know that you really think about a Stanley Cup so much as you think about a world championship or world juniors or an Olympic medal or playing for your, I mean, over there, I think and you guys in Canada, obviously I think it's a big deal too. But I mean, you guys, I'm you as guys. American as you are now. Uh, that's true. You're, you're uh, divided. No, I'm not. You're a man I'm divided. Dual. You I'm are duly. <laughs> uh, but yes, I, I do think it's important to the players. And so then because it's important to the players, it will continue to be an issue that is discussed and wherever the Olympics are will dictate whether that makes sense for, I was shocked they were even considering hey, look at The little China. devil on the shoulder likes to believe that the players really wanted to go this time because they knew that Commissioner Bettman and the league really didn't want to go. So... Well, I will say this. Like, so if you want to break it down to individuals, like this is John Klingberg's best chance to be a great player in an international competition. So I can see why he sits there and goes, I don't want to do this in four years. True. I want to do this right now. True. I, hey, look, I feel for all, I, I feel for all of them. Right. Um, I really do. Because it if it had never happened before right. and they hadn't seen how great it was, then the desire to go and do it, I just didn't understand. Like, they're going to be locked down. There's, you can't bring your family. Like, the experience was not going to be the Olympic experience. Right. So, you know, you're going to play best on best in front of nobody in the middle of the night in China. Like, it, it just, 
It didn't make sense. It didn't to me. resonate no. the way that it did when it was in Salt Lake or yeah. when it was in Vancouver. You know, like I I get it, but I didn't get this. No. And ultimately it was it was the least surprising thing of 2021 for me that they went, nope, can't go. Well, and then I think the fact they need that time to deal with all this right. stuff. Well, that's obvious now. February yeah. now looks like a schedule for our Dallas yes. guys. The other thing on the world scale or scene that came out, the World Junior Tournament was just a debacle. It, and it's it's so great because it's it's all the future NHL stars, not just players. No. I mean, your superstars that are competing against one another in a, a tournament that – it's a huge thing in Canada. I wish it was bigger down here. I think they're, they're taking some steps to try to grow it in the, in the States because it's such a good tournament. Um, and you can just blame Canada and blame the IIHF for this. But you can blame Canada for this not going on. I mean, as soon as a uh, team had one positive test, it was like, you guys can't play, you have to forfeit the game. Right. And they'd flown from, you know, Czechia and Slovakia and Sweden and Finland and Germany and Switzerland into Western Canada, and they just shut it all down on them because a few guys tested positive for the spritzer, Omicron. Yeah. And... It, it was it was a real bad look. It was a bad look for Canada and their policies up there right now. And it was a really uh, bad taste for all the young guys that had so looked forward to playing in this tournament. I mean, it's a showcase for the best players on the planet at that age, under 20. Yeah. And it just got... Psh. The comparison I always make in the U.S. is think about the March Madness. Yeah. And they just stopped it. So yeah. No, nah, yeah, we're, you know, we're halfway in, or you know, no, no, get game. down, get down to the uh, final eight, right? And then bring them all there and get everyone excited, sell all the tickets and that. And then when two guys from Duke test positive, then you just go, you know what? We're done. Yeah, it's too much. We're not going to have too risky. We're not going to have a, a champion this year. You guys all go back to your go back to your uh, campuses. Yeah. And, Put your masks on. And the, you know, and then, then think about that, because down here, so much is you know, built on you're a senior. It's your last chance. Well, it's the same thing with World Juniors. Like, that's their Unless last chance. Unless you're Connor Bedard. Well, then yeah. you have like then eight gotta, of them yeah, left or something. Know. Kid's going to be something else. Going to be a lot of teams trying to lose a lot of games to get that kid <laughs> in a couple of years. All right. Uh, on, on to, I said this was going to be positive, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's all we've been doing, positivity. <laughs> well, we were looking back. Looking yes. forward and looking at the now, the stars... A uh, new hire in hockey ops, 41-year-old Steve Greeley, who will have the title of Director of Hockey Strategy, Scouting, and Development. Uh, this is an intriguing, exciting, potentially success-boosting hire uh, for the hockey department. Yes. And it comes, it, it, you know, it was born out of this break. I'm sure it was talked about prior in that, but it, this this dropped yesterday. Yep. Uh, expands the, for me, I look at it and I'm thinking, it expands the hockey operations deeper into analysis of the mountains, I mean mountains, of data being pumped out uh, by this league and by services uh, now. It's a real thing. Yeah. You got to utilize it. Well, and, and again, not to say these guys aren't doing it, but they are older. I'm older. I have trouble with it. And I do think that a younger generation who's more comfortable 
you know, with this on a regular basis, I think that's important. Um, you know, I, Jim Nill's great. Uh, uh, Rick Bonus is great, but they're both 60 something. And so bringing in a guy who's been around this environment, who might have a different eye on how you use these analytics, uh, is really important. And, and I, everybody I talk to, and even as an older guy, information is good. Like, it's how you use that information. Get as much information Information as you can. is king and always has been. It always has Go been. back to world wars. Right. So then anybody who says, well, I don't like analytics or I don't want this, I get it. Chewy. Right. I mean, like, people give me a hard time. Poppycock. Balderdash. About plus minus. And I'm like, okay, well, let's take this plus minus within this team and say, under the same circumstances, this guy's plus 14 and this guy's minus 7. That's information. So now let's... Okay, why is Okay, that but happening? it's surface information. It is. So then if if you have the ability to look deeper into that, into who that player was playing against, when Correct. he was on the ice, yes. how that plus minus was uh or came to be, then it, it gives you it gives you knowledge and you're smarter for that. If you just throw it out there, right. it's like, well, whatever. A number for a number's reason. Like we are bringing sport logic on board uh to our broadcasts which is going to give us a little bit more of what the coaches and hockey departments have had. Like we've, we've been left in the dust by them. We're, we're still have been dealing with old school statistics on our broadcast every now and then, right. you know, you go down a wormhole into natural stat trick or something like that. And you hope the information is right. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Um, but you need it. You yeah. need it now. You're dumb. You're, you're dumb if you don't have it. Correct. And, and, I, and I agree with you because my biggest problem is where is this information coming right. from? In baseball, it's easy. Can you trust? In hockey, it's really hard to make sure all this information is accurate. Mm -hmm. And so then having a guy who's familiar with it, now you can start looking for places where that information might be more reliable. Yeah. For, for me, I, I look at this a little bit like, uh, you know, for obvious reasons, my daughter's going to school there, but it's like Nick Saban. Like, if Nick Saban at Alabama was thinking, look, I know everything. I've done it all. We're going to do it my way. We're just going to keep doing it my way. Keep doing it my way. He always hires these assistants, especially offensive coordinators, and brings them in for their ideas, for new ideas, yes. for younger ideas, to grow, to learn. Because if you don't, you just, you're dead. I you know, it's that old adage, uh, I, again, I think it was Babcock that I'm sure he wasn't the first that, that used it, but it, uh, somebody asked him about giving out too much information or people understanding, you know, what, what the plot is for his system and that. And he was like, look, if we're, if we're doing what we did yesterday, today, then we're, we're going to get beat. Right. Like, we we can't if we're not always evolving and creating something new and trying new things and that if if we're just doing what we did yesterday we're toast yeah and it that's what this smells of to me is it it's it makes them smarter makes the tent a little bit bigger uh, it probably puts some eyeballs on things here from the outside that are uh, fresh. And that's healthy. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, I mean, the people who have been here have been here for a little while. And so then bringing in an outside view, it's always good. Yeah. Like like us in here, we brought people on the podcast. There you go. For their views. Nobody this week or the previous week because it 
We want to get our stuff in. <laughs> hey, speaking of COVID, I, I, I had this little epiphany while I was sitting around guzzling eggnog during the break. Has, has anybody done a, a real deep dive study into player performance drop-off in guys who've, who've really been seriously buckled by COVID? Because there, there have been athletes, I'm just thinking, especially in – in our yeah our world little sphere you know I I think Amiro Haskin in at the beginning of last year he had a real bad bout right yep um, when they had what did we have 17 guys I think that were out at the beginning of last year and paused it last I can say last year now because yeah. it was uh, obviously Hudobin yeah I think Hudobin's the best example who who seemed really affected by whatever whatever uh, he he was dealing with or dealt with yeah. uh, with the virus. And didn't didn't Tyler Sagan have a bad go of it? He was did. it just prior to training camp? Yes. Uh, and I just I've not seen anybody compile a list of guys who were really maybe a camp because of HIPAA and that right. guys who were really really sick because you always hear about well you know I had real mild symptoms I was asymptomatic right but what about the ones that were sick yeah who actually got buckled like you said and, and the how, other thing how is how the breathing it's I mean so much of it is the lungs yeah and these this is a highly aerobic sport even goaltending is high even goaltending goal what kind of a shot is that oh, you guys sit back in that rocking chair and you know what you're so you're so dead wrong Heike because any guy that has thought that I remember at the Christmas parties in past guys would think you know it's so easy to just stand back there they put the gear on and within a minute they were exhausted yeah exhausted I remember Ken and I'll give you but that's anaerobic aerobic I'll give you a ton of credit because you're an amazing athlete I am was 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 you were the the injuries did hurt you past tense but I do remember watching you with Hitch when he needed a third goalie and for the well, first, don't blink because I was only good for about fifteen minutes. That's what I'm saying, though. But that that tells you just how hard it is. Yeah, because endurance. It, like, the endurance. You part were of it. really good for the first well, ten or fifteen. No, away, you right? like. I mean, I'm watching practice, and you're fine. You were great. Yeah, not quite. Not yeah, I was. But then, right. boy, there was you hit a wall real quick. Yeah, I know it was a cliff. <laughs> there was no tailing off. But it just it was kind of like my career, you know. Like it started <laughs> but, slowly, and then it and then it peaked. Uh, for a moment, and then and yeah. then it just went but off a But it's a, a great example of just how hard that position is, and True. how much. Anyway, I'd like to. S- I would too. I agree with you. Maybe they don't have uh, enough info. Well, they I, should have enough info. You would we're, think we're that a few the, years into this, the training staff would really want to know. And and then there is the also the question of could this affect your career? Yeah. Like, could you? I would be guarding that stuff yes. if I was a player. Yeah. I wouldn't want all that info out there. Yeah. Uh, you are openly and boldly stating in our text messages to each other that uh, Segi and Ben and that second line is the key to this squad in 2022. Explain yourself, Ika. Well, I do believe, and this goes back to the fact that I I kicked myself for making the prediction that Tyler was going to be great and not understanding just how difficult all this was going to be. But this is a a point-of-game player who's 29 years old. And he has a shot like you wouldn't believe. And everybody keeps saying, well, why don't we trade for this guy? Why don't we trade for that guy? You know, uh, there's, we need more offensive players. And I'm looking down, I'm going like, they don't always have space for Alexander Radulov in the top six or Dennis Garyanov in the top six. So, you know, what you need is your players here to play better. 
And, and I do believe the potential is there for Tyler to be one of those players. And, and whether that's with Radulov or with Garyanov or whoever you want to put with them, uh, Ben, Sagan, and somebody else can be that second line. And we've seen, knock on wood, that top line is going to be consistent. So if you have a consistent top line, just and this is what I said in the preseason because I really did think this was going to be a good year for the Stars, is that a Neuendijk line? Is that Langenbrunner and Neuendijk and Dave Reed? And so now all of a sudden the top line's getting all the attention. Well, this line comes in and they can be the MVPs. I mean, Joe was the MVP of a Stanley Cup champion because, in part, Hall, Madano, and Lettinen took a lot of attention. And so could Ben, Sagan, Giryanov be the MVPs because the other line's getting so much attention, especially on the road? Well, especially on the road. Right. Which they understand they need to be better. Correct. Way better than well, what they and, have been. Yeah. And then I mean, look at the home and, record. and then look. Well, and you say that that top line has been consistent. Unfortunately, they've been consistently shut down on, on the, road, the road, too. You yeah. know, because it is easier for opposition to, to just dial in on them and take their chances with whatever else is being trotted out there. Right. You have two lines. God forbid you have three lines that they got to worry about that are going to be uh, consistently a threat. Let's say it that way. Right. So you still might be right. They they still might be a really good team this year. Right. It's just a new year. Correct. Twenty twenty two, not like twenty twenty one. We had the twenty twenty one was you know injured and and mediocre and it's over with. So now they can they can move forward with this. And I would concur. They, they have to, they know it. They've said it yeah. enough. It's been like a drumbeat for them. They got to get more than just a few guys and a power play putting the puck in the net for them. Yeah. Well, and, and, and like the points even. I mean, you know, and, and that comes when you're, you know, your line and your line mate score. But Tyler has eight goals, which isn't terrible. He's got four assists. Yeah. He's got 12 points in 29 games. That's, that's not good. It's not good enough, you no. know. And that's why they, sitting where they're sitting, but it's also a reminder that they've only played, what, 29 games? <laughs> that, that is goofy. You know, like, I, at some point, it's, it's going to become really critical. I, I like how we always skip forward with critical, yes. you know? It's like, well, it's critical now, and then, well, it's not as, look at all the games they yeah. have left, and yeah. they still have them. You know, they still, there's, there's a massive amount of hockey still to be played. They've proven that they are phenomenal on home ice. Yes. Uh, if they just get kind of okay on the road, nobody has an issue with anything. No. Nothing. Yeah. You can't get much better than what they've been on, on home ice. So, uh, yeah, there's reason for optimism, I think, as, as they can or rejoin the rest of the National Hockey League, and we'll see how everyone navigates this. So – I mentioned power plays. The the Stars' best subplot in 2021 was their power play. Yeah. Right? The, just the way they started it, you know, against Nashville, where they were setting records and had a 60% power play. And you're sitting there thinking to yourself, well, that's not sustainable. And it wasn't to that level. But it's like anything. We've talked about it before with Dominic Hasek and, and uh, save percentage. Yep. Everyone looks at it and they're like, well, that's not sustainable. But no, it's not. Like 96% is not sustainable. But 93 is when everyone was 90. Right. 
So you look at a power play that's like 60%, and you're like, well, they're not going to finish 60%. Yeah, but they might finish 30%. Yeah. And that's 10% better than 20%. Yeah, best in the league. And you would think, well, that was unsustainable until you started off like that. Uh, Alexander Ovechkin just became the NHL power play goal king, which I, I love. He's To me, he's the perfect icon of power play goal scoring because the guys he passed, for the most part, were all bullish slot guys, ugly goals, yep. bang, you know, hack, cram, bludgeon the puck in. His was like Hull, like Steven Stamkos. Stand over there. Everybody knows you're over there. Everybody's preparing for you to be over there, and you still score. Correct. Yeah, and and he's just so fun. Oh my god! I, I mean, that's the thing. Like, so they had a. As I was sitting on the couch uh, <laughs> for the past two weeks, uh, there was a Doctor uh, J special, and I loved Doctor J when I was growing up. And that to me is basketball, and to me, Ovechkin is that's hockey. As much as it's fun to see the physicality and the bludging and the puck go off somebody's, you know, skate or shin guard, that is why you watch the sport. Especially it's- now, because you rarely do you see a guy take a slap shot and score. Correct. You don't, really, about the only place you see it is on a power play. Correct. And it's usually from one side of the rink to the other side of the rink. Nobody, they, go, nobody goes. Nobody goes that past. Nobody that. goes down. The wing takes a slap shot and beats a goaltender anymore. It's almost a bad goal now if he does it, which is insane. Correct. Uh, But that guy over there and that one-timer and the the lightning-quick aspect of how it happens where he shoots it off the pass and especially goes cheddar with it. You know, it's like Hulley back in the day, and I'd ask Brett Hull, you know, what are you aiming at? What are you looking at? I'm just looking for some real inside right. stuff with yeah. Holly, right? Like, how is this? He's like, I just try to hit the middle of the net. And he was not lying. No. Like, he just tried to rip it in the middle of the net. And a lot of the times he beat goaltenders five hole with it because he just pounded it through him. Now, I think at times he was like, I'm going upstairs. And, and Ovechkin understands every goaltender is coming across on their knees and, and still – they can get a hop. There can be a shot blocker there. You'll find that little window and just nail it. Yeah. It's, it's so great. So great. And the drama of it all. We love drama. Like I say, Dr. J dunking or whatever. When you see that net snap back. But, that, but I wish, that's, that's the one time that I truly wish that our nets were not as taut as they are now yeah. and as narrow as they are now. Yep. Remember they shrunk the, the depth of nets years back? Back in the old days, especially us in television now, we have that Exmo or, you know, it's super slow-mo. Could you imagine if we had the old billowy nets yep. still? And you get that guy hammering one over a glove. There's the artful, full split, desperation laid on it, moved by the goaltender, the puck sailing past that glove up into the nether reaches and then hits the back of the twine, it billows, it's balletic, it's also ballistics, it's all of it. We should put baby powder on the neck. Oh my God, <laughs> yes! They should load it. They, honest to God, Different they should color, do that. Colors Remember when they talked about they wanted to put lights on the goal so the goal frame would light up in red when you scored? As a former goaltender, it was the worst thing ever. It was like, no, we believe me, a horn, a bunch of lights... 
a, a goal song. I mean, that doesn't happen when a, a defenseman gets roasted one-on-one. No. But when you get beat by a shot, everyone's getting, oh, yeah, you suck. Raise But baby powder. Baby powder. <laughs> I like that. You know what I'd also like as far as power plays are concerned? I'd like to see the player serve the entire power play again. I really would. Yeah. I, I you know, and maybe it came to mind with that five-minute major when uh, the Stars scored multiple times on it. And I was thinking, well, why wouldn't the – it's a penalty. Right. Like, it's an infraction. Why do you get to come out there just because they scored? Why don't you just have a penalty shot then? It should be – you should have the chance to score as many goals as you want on a power play. If you're- well, and, and then that leads to everything we talk about of, okay, now you've taken a penalty, you've given up two goals. Well, you're not, you're going to be really hesitant to hold the next time. Oh my gosh. Well, what if he's hesitant to hold? Well, that seems to open the ice for more offensive play. like to see that. like to see the uh, skillless, mindless icing of the puck by the penalty kill uh, ra- eliminated. Because I, I think now it, it, it's, it's dumb shouldn't be allowed. Right. Why are you handicapping things? Like it's supposed to be penal, is right. it not? Yes. And I also th- feel like it's dangerous because guys just come around the net, try to hammer it off the glass and down. Sometimes they don't hit the glass. Yes. And if it ain't hitting glass, it, it's either hitting a chair or it's hitting a human, unfortunately, right. uh, because there's no netting down the sides of that. So I, I, I really think it – would be in the best interest of everyone if they would do that. Yes. If they would just say, you can't ice the puck. It's just like the regular game. You're going to have to work your way to center yeah. ice. And with that, you're going to see more power play goals scored. It's supposed to be an advantage. You took Correct. a penalty. When I think the killers would learn to punt and learn to do other oh, the things. high that, flip. Yeah. yeah. What, that way you wouldn't ice the puck. And so then they would adjust. Yeah. And I do. I agree with you. Yeah. I think it would be better. And this is the big one. I, I can't understand why this isn't already in play. You take a penalty in overtime with a minute left in the five-minute three-on-three overtime. So it's a two-minute penalty still, but you only really have to kill off a minute of it. And I'm like, hold it now. If, if you take a penalty in overtime, they should have to kill – you're either going to score on it or they should have to kill the full two minutes. Right. So it's, it's only a little bit of extra time. But they add on extra time in soccer, and I, I think they should add on extra time so that that power play uh, is uh, continued through to its conclusion. Uh, if you killed it off, you killed it off. You go to shootout. Then the game ends. No, you go um, to shootout. Yeah, buzzer goes when yeah. that guy's penalty comes out. I, yeah. I don't understand why I, it's that a great, is I've never heard this before. And well, that's why you come here I know, on the podcast, on podcast, so I can teach you, Mike. Well, I need that, but that's a great idea. Most of your ideas suck, but that one's pretty good. Not most, but there's a <laughs> there's a high percentage that do. Uh, something that and a, and a guy whose stuff never sucked uh, was was John Madden, who passed away uh, at at 85. I loved everything that John Madden did, like everything. And the networks couldn't have done a better job of uh, saluting and memorializing the man than they did on the weekend. Like every network. And I watched all of them. I watched the All Madden documentary uh, that came out on Christmas Day. Uh, He was phenomenal. 
He was phenomenal in everything that he did. And I, I just, you know, he, when, when you looked at how he, he did the broadcasting job, for, forget about, isn't that insane how great a coach he was? Yes. Like the winning percentage of the Raiders when he was there for, what, 10 years? Yeah. Like. He's a Hall of Fame oh coach. Oh, my God. But he, he, he never described what he saw. He always explained what he, what he was seeing. You know, and it was always with a bit of a twinkle and some fun and a celebration of more things than just the quarterback, the coach, the running back, right? Like it was, it was everything and all the periphery. And he and Summerall were, there'll, there'll never be another pairing that w- was more perfectly paired with one another than that. Yeah. In any sport ever. Like it was perfection because Summerall could, he could sum things up in four words and it was like, exactly. And then Madden would go off and the sport allowed it, you know, cause you have, what do you have? 10 minutes yeah. of movement and then three hours of analysis and, and time for all this stuff. Uh, he, the thing I liked about him too, he educated uh, viewers about everyone's responsibilities out there. You know, this was this, his, deal was this it wasn't just you know what you just saw in that it wasn't just uh cartoon booms and right whaps and all that but that was part of it uh and he did his homework like he was still coaching all those stories about when he would come to practice and stand on the sideline and those meetings that he would have with players and coaches and uh i think it was cower was talking about how he was basically running his game plan past John Madden in their meeting. Madden's in there to get information right, from for the him broadcast. for the broadcast. And he wanted validation from Madden that his game plan was the right game plan. Yes. How awesome is that? Yeah. Troy Aikman was on this morning on the ticket and he just went on for 15 minutes about John Madden and how he was in meetings and things that he would observe. And he talked about how Troy always looked at it from the skill position. And that, you know, hey, you know, this is this and this. And even when he was doing analysis, he was like, okay, here's the receiver. Here's what the quarterback's seeing. And John was like, well, here's where the linemen are. Here's the linebackers and what they're thinking. And he said it was such a unique perspective that other broadcasters hadn't brought, you know, to take it inside out, so to speak, to go from the the line to how does that affect play. And he goes, that was great. And he goes, the other thing was everything was genuine. He goes, what he was on television was what he was in the meetings. Or on, like, I guess they rode on the bus together, the, the minivan or whatever. He Madden tra- Cruiser. The Madden Cruiser that he the traveled. The minivan? Well, what the hell's know, wrong with the you? The bus. How's that? The minivan. Yeah, yeah they, he rode around the country in a minivan, in a minivan. Mike. Well, it was a nice big Chrysler minivan, I think. <laughs> it's very nice. Anyway, but but I was it was fun listening to Troy this morning because he was just like he goes that's who he was like he he didn't make this stuff up for television he was just himself the 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 thing that I appreciate I forget who it was it might have been Gadelli his producer said that he never moralized yeah like he really didn't care about all the antics that were coming in you know that was obvious from his days coaching the Raiders he didn't care what those guys did right. Just show up and play hard, uh, but he he didn't care about end zone dances or any. He didn't care about that. Yeah, he was never offended by anything. He just saw players and football. Yep, and fun, and fun, and fun. And I thought it was awesome. The when they were talking about him 
and how big a deal the players were, how big a deal it was to have Madden and Summerall doing their games, it got me thinking that there, there's nothing like that now. No. Is there? Mm. I mean, you have the A-teams, but again, I think it's more yeah, but the, the time slot than it is the broadcasters. I, I don't think a young player – well, they're different now anyway, yeah. but I, I don't think coming into a game they're all pumped up that – John Madden or whoever. Joe, that, Joe Buck interviewed me well, before the Romo game. Well, Romo and Nance right. are calling the game. That doesn't feel like a – I don't think it feels like any bigger game than another one. Yeah. Not it, not to the degree it was when, holy crap, like Summerall and Madden are doing the game. Yeah. And the, the Cowboys of that era all talked about how, you know, they narrated their careers. Yeah. You know, like, and it was true. And I remember when I was, the closest thing I, I can think of to that in hockey was uh, Bob Cole and Harry Neal on Hockey Night in Canada. And it, it probably wouldn't. Uh, resonate down here with people as much as it would everybody of a certain age across Canada. Saturday night, and those guys were on, and if they were doing uh, any game, it, mostly it was uh, Leaf games, you know, because they were out in Ontario and that was big market and all that. But they did all those Oilers. I mean, the Oilers were the yeah. dominant club of the 80s. And especially playoffs, you know, Hockey Night in Canada, the Oiler games, they were done by Bob and Harry. And I know for a fact from being around there how much it meant to guys like Gretzky and Messier that, and the reverence they had for Bob Cole, like Bob Cole's calling the game. Yeah. And Harry was fun. You know, Harry came at it from a guy that was a manager and was a coach and then went into broadcasting. So there was some similarities to Madden. Uh, and he was always looking for the the fun in things, right? And uh, they they were as as big a voice covering our sport as maybe we've ever had. And th that that's all I could think of was was them. Thorn and Clement maybe down here on ESPN. Yep. You know, I, I think it meant, and you heard it when ESPN came back into the NHL, everyone's like, is Gary Thorne going to do the games? You're yeah. like, Gary Thorne's 80. I don't yeah. think, I don't think so. Uh, but they, they hear that voice and all those moments and they're thinking that is the big time. Yeah. Right. And I don't think we have that now. Maybe Joe Buck on baseball, but I don't know whether baseball players or baseball fans do. feel that way. But I know that to me watching when Joe Buck's calling the game, it just sounds feels different in baseball than anybody else. Yeah, I agree with that. And and that's how he grew up too. I mean, that was his right. his family history and, and St. And Louis is a baseball town. And probably and Nance in golf. Yep. Maybe it's friends. Hello friends. Hello friends. <laughs> we go over to 18 with Sir Nick Faldo. He calls him Sir Nick. Stop with that. Uh but but he also does other he does other, yeah. you know, the John Deere classic or something too, right? So it's not it's not just the Masters, yeah. but Nance's voice on the Masters is like that. I, th yeah. I think young golfers probably think, you know, I'm on Amen Corner and Nance is, is announcing what's going on probably means something to him. Yeah. Back when I was growing up, Monday Night Football was the thing down here with Dandy Don and Howard and uh, Gifford. Uh, like you watch, it didn't matter who was playing. 
you watch for the broadcast. And and I think we have gotten away from that, that you don't have that sort of iconic. Uh, well, there's way more broadcast. And then obviously in 2021, 22, how people consume sports. Yep. Is way different. Yeah. Well, oh, the Manning brothers, they may bust yeah, in right. with their own little. You're right. But they, man, just all those clips of Summerall and Madden just put me on a couch in the 90s on a Sunday. It was just such a different time and so comfortable and so enjoyable. So enjoyable, right? And, uh, you know, it's that's the life you want to lead, man. That's. There wasn't a negative thing said no. about John Madden. It was, and people were going out of their way to uh, pay respects. And that's before, there hasn't even been a memorial service. Right. You know, I, I, although Sunday felt like one, yes. right? And, 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 and fittingly so. Yeah. I mean, it should, be on, it should be on a Sunday. Agreed. What a, what a terrific, terrific broadcaster and. Man, I loved everything about him. I hated it when he went off the air. But then you realize, you, you know, you start counting back into it, and you're like, holy crap, like he was 70. Yeah, he'd done it for 30 years. Yeah. After a coaching career. He didn't, he didn't start in broadcasting until he was in his mid-40s. And he was in his mid to late 70s, right? Oh, oh nine, I think, was when he yeah, retired. And hung it up. It's a good run, man. All right. 2022. We're back. Stars are back, huh? And uh, Jamie Ben, This is late breaking. Jamie Ben has been removed from the NHL's COVID protocol as we're recording this here right now. Wow. So I'm thinking Thursday. Jordan just passed that along I'm to Thursday. me. thinking Thursday. We break be, news on the podcast. It's be a pretty so good can roster. you imagine? Can you imagine when somebody's consuming this on Saturday? How important the Jamie Ben out of COVID protocol news is as we speak here across the table from one another. Saturday, you're, you're uh, pretty optimistic on the turnaround here. What? You said who's, when people are consuming this on Saturday, today's Tuesday. We'll, we'll have it up by you then. You think it'll you'll be have it on, by Saturday? Yeah, it'll be on SoundCloud. <laughs> I have full confidence in our boy. Uh, all right, it's 20 double deuce. Uh, when it comes to televised stars hockey, remember this. Remember this. And this goes back probably uh, to the hiring of Steve Greeley. Okay? Okay. Statistics accuse. Analytics indict. Video always convicts. Welcome aboard, Steve. And as always, thanks for listening. Thanks to you, Mike Heike, for joining us. And go Stars! Go Stars!